Hello, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Direct Input Podcast. Today is Tuesday, August 21st. We are at Ralph's Rock Diner. Happy to be sitting down with Mr. Doug Brown, who is the director screening the new documentary, Slave to the Grind, here tonight at Ralph's. What's going on, Doug? Well, this is uh, this is my first time here. Like I've been to Boston before, but this is, uh, I don't know, for me, my, my favorite part about touring anything, any body of art, is you, you get to meet new people and check out new places everywhere, and this is a super rad venue. Hell yeah, dude. So it's your first time in Worcester? You've never been to Palladium and nothing like that? Never. Never been there. Yeah. We've got the sound checks going on here. That's my movie. <laughs> Slaves of the Grind. That's, that, that's like the fucking trailer right there, fucking yeah. in the background. Um, how long did it take you to make this? Um, the the film was the film was exactly four years from start to finish. I would say um, it was April twenty uh, first, two thousand fourteen, and I did an interview with uh, lead singer of Soylent Green, um, and that kind of marked the beginning of production. After a couple months of me not getting the interviews I wanted and not really knowing how to how to start this whole process, you know, I, I had. Uh, never really done anything on music before like my previous documentary was on collecting and why people collect and why people are, are wired to own things and now all of a sudden I'm making this film on like extreme music and um, so eventually what it, what ended up happening was um, uh, he said yes <laughs> I interviewed him uh, I did another one the next week another one the next week and then two weeks later I did another one and then all of a sudden I had four interviews and uh, my editors and I sat down and he said okay how quickly can we do this and you know I think what we originally thought was going to be a year and a half to two years ended up being four years to the day because our world premiere was April 21st 2018 in Calgary at the Calgary Underground Film Festival so it was like truly from like first day to showing somebody you know it was four years to the nose <laughs> what's this underground film festival is that like fight club like you all go down there and you fucking go underground and just fucking slug it out and fucking it, celebrate it's not shit. that intense uh but the stuff they screen there is intense what i really like about underground film dangerous. festivals screen and stuff what do you mean yeah. like fucking like uh so uh what, what does that technically mean like they're just showing it on a screen or what yeah for sure but what i what i like about a festival that is not like a mainstream film festival is the underground ones will incorporate uh like weird food vendors or like people in costume or do like novelty type screenings and you know, for me to go to a, a festival that uh, also truly like appreciates like underground art, you know, and like doesn't give a, a shit about anything uh, in terms of like shying away from abrasive content, right? Um, and for me, like I, like I want to screen in those festivals. I, I I stopped even applying to the big film, film festivals after a while because I, I I'd rather play it at a place like Ralph's Rock Diner than you know in, in a big huge ritzy theater yeah it's cool to do that every once in a while but like at the end of the day this is where this is where people go to see this type of music this is where i want the film to play right oh absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah that's my philosophy at least yeah not all not all filmmakers would like that a lot I, I know a lot of filmmakers that would never screen in a place that's not a movie theater because you spend so much time on color and sound and you're making it perfect and then you play it in the play it on the shitty projector and this you know the but but yeah, and you'll just go on the brick wall and fucking stick yeah, it up there. Yeah, for sure. I had, I had somebody hold... There was like a bed sheet up uh, the other day in Washington, D.C., and 50 people sat down and watched it on a bed sheet. Really? And I was like, this is awesome. You know, like, I don't know. That, 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 that's that, that's cool, the spirit though. of this. Yeah. Dude, you work for four years on your life on a film. Yeah. And fucking, you're from Canada. Yeah. 
And you go down to D.C. and there's 50 people sitting down watching on a bed sheet. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Bartender says hello, everybody. Hello, he, need, he needs to interrupt the podcast, make uh, a scene. Hello, bartender. Start, yeah, bartender's not, he was not even open yet. He won't right. even serve cool, us. Cool, cool. Everybody's late tonight. That's the guy. He's the guy. That's the, oh, that's the guy. The He's guy. got the weird music. He's right. got the weird music. Mike Z in the house. Yeah. All right. Somebody, somebody told me Mike Z was a collector of things. He's a collector. Today. So what's this yeah. film about collecting that you, you tell me about that? Okay. I want to understand, you know, you, everything that you're doing cuz we don't yeah. I've never really talked to a director. So my the last documentary I made was on collecting and why people are wired to own and I interviewed people with like the coolest stuff I could find. And I'm a big record collector and a collector of music memorabilia and ephemera and I have been for years and uh, it's like the best and worst part of my life in that it's amazing because I have this uh, this like tactile really cool piece of history that I get to have and hold and touch and think and learn about and show people but it's also like furniture and takes up a lot of space and it's financially taxing and like you know takes up all my time you know uh, in a bad way so for me um, I wanted to explore both those elements in this film so yeah that was called Never Enough and I worked on that for a few years and it was actually it was just after my world premiere of that film that I uh, came upon the idea of Slave to the Grind one film flowed right into the next I was filming Slave of the Grind before I was done touring that film. Um, Where does Sebastian Bach fall in all this? Well, you know, and I'll, I'll say this, and because I think my wife has always wanted me to say this. She came up with the name for this film. Really? I, I did not. I did not come up with the name Slave of the Grind. And, um, and she has never heard Skid Row before. Come on. So, like, Isn't she, he from Toronto? Yeah, like he's, he's Canadian. On. He's on Trailer um, Pack Boys. Yeah, yeah. He's done all sorts of cool <laughs> uh, uh, Canadian bits. But, but what, I, uh, what I loved about it initially, it was like, of course, as we're grinding the title. And then it was the, oh, it's a very common expression, you know, like doing something because you have to do it. And then, um, then it's also the Skid Row album and song, right? And then it, it was like in that order for me. And I was like, ah, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. Because I had all these like bogus titles for the film at that point. But then, when I was telling my wife about this, she's like, and who's this band, right? And I was, like, talking to her about it. And we came to realize that, you know, he was on Gilmore Girls. Really? For, like, a long time. Like, he was a reoccurring character on the television show Gilmore Girls, which is, like... I know that. I hate that show. It is horrible. Really? And it's, like, my wife's favorite show of all time. And, you know, like... Who's that big broad that writes for them? Oh, I have... She's on Saturday Night Live. She does the fucking... Oh, I have no uh, idea. The movies there. She was in, uh... The fucking uh, oh, are you talking about Melissa McCarthy? Yeah, that's her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's very. She was funny. like a writer yeah. on that show. I think, she, or she was on it. Yeah, she was on it too. Yeah. Uh, her and her husband wrote together on that show oh, together okay. for like eight years. Because I know he was also. They sometimes do movies together. Her and her husband, I think, act together. Yeah, I don't know. He's a fella. Yeah, yeah. All, all, all. Any good, funny people I like. You know, that's cool. So fucking on the Myers Briggs personality scale, do they use that in Canada, or is it like a metric thing or something like fucking? Uh, like yeah, it's thing? it's one that I understand. Yeah. All right, all right. So you like, is there a certain, ter- certain type of personality that would identify within the collector sort of like demographic? That's a very good question. I I think that a lot of collectors are like uh, can be recluse types. They can be introverted opposed to extroverted. So they're definitely on the side of the scale that is more. Like insular, uh, inverted. I want to stay at home. I want to, you know. And there's elements of my personality is definitely like that. But as you can tell, I'm also super chatty, and I'm, you know, uh, I'm also. I, I would almost call myself the most 
extroverted introvert. You know, like I, I and so it's weird for a collector because not not many collectors are, are are like super bubbly and in your face, right? Right. Uh, but yeah, I do I do think there's some personality, and maybe it has to do with uh, the desire to archive or the desire to collect is such a. I guess one of our hunter-gatherer instincts that goes down to like self-preservation. I, I got to keep this so it'll keep me safe. I got to keep this food so it'll keep me alive. I got to keep these blankets so it'll keep me warm, right? So Absolutely. You, so you got all these things to for yourself, right? So it's I'm not sure if it's selfishness, but I don't know. We're getting super psychological here. This is no. It's important yeah, yeah. to talk <laughs> about though, because there's a lot of motherfuckers who identify this way. Yeah. Because yeah. in turn, fucking that anti-social socialite shit yeah. that you. It's the same shit in Grindcore. You get yeah. motherfuckers that, in my opinion, it's not like they don't want to be up there. They're up there doing it. But it's like, oh, what's 30 seconds here? Fucking, let's stand in the corner on the fucking basement floor. Fucking, we don't need a PA. We'll just do it. Yeah. But we're still going to do it. But, you know, like, but you're a part of the scene, but you hate humanity. You know, like that whole thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, 100%. 100%. I, I think that what makes Grindcore, to me, the most unique genre of music and I'm, I'm calling it a genre it's not a subgenre. it has it has more personal identity than most other genres of music do right like mean personal identity like like to me like you, when you think of rock music you can you only describe it using how it sounds when i think of grindcore I, i'm describing like how it smells you know i'm describing how it feels i'm describing like what it means to people i'm describing you know and then i'm describing how intense the music needs to sound what pronoun would Grindcore have? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't know. Gr- Grindcore transcends anything, man. It's not like it's it is a, it is a genderless. It is a it just exists as a. Is it a gerund? I don't know. I don't even know what a gerund is. I know it's dirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say that Grindcore is like you know like a like a bastard. In the the negative sense of the word, you know, like a a miscreant, you know, a ruffian, uh, godforsaken little shit. Yeah, man, fucking scruffy little guy, fucking in the gutter, fucking, you know, fucking. Yeah, and here's something that I actually uh, during interviews before the movie was, I did a whole bunch of interviews before the film came out that uh, people would ask me about like punk and metal and the the connection between both of those, and not until the film started screening places that I started saying like Grindcore's punk. You know, I, I you know I grew up as a metalhead. I am a, a you know a thrash metal guy that got into death metal, that got into brutal death metal, and then I was like, what's more crazy? You know, and then I found grindcore, and then so for me, it's strange for me to now realize it's not even as metal as as punk in its attitude. Personally, that's my take on it. I hate the fucking term. Like people just throw the word junkie around casually. Like, yeah, no, I'm a wicked junkie with fucking you know, yeah, yeah, with fucking the Red Sox or some shit, you know. But it's like that's sort of like me in hot sauce, and it's awesome with music. Cause like yeah. no matter what, I gotta keep hitting the fucking plateau. Like there's oh, something yeah. about discovering that new high, that new fucking sensation that you I get. Think, I think that's also why I, I collect things. Just really? going back to my last film, like like the sense of elation you get when you find that thing that you don't have, and it's like you'll spend all your life on like looking for something or digging for some record. Um, with music, it was like when I heard. I'm sure we all remember when we hear like from Slave to Obliteration by Napalm Death or World Downfall by Terrorizer or like Repulsion's Horrified or like uh, like theatrical symbolizations like uh, early Agathically stuff like that is so riveting. That music's like so intensely badass that it, it could take anybody 
who's never heard anything heavy in their life, and all of a sudden you're like being like thrown through a meat grinder, and your body's being spit out on the other side in a puddle. Like the music is amazing. Would that break down to like some sort of like uh, holy fucking? congregation of the figures of grand core you know i got a couple of rubes out there listening that don't know nothing about this stuff you know they don't understand the concept so if you yeah. were just you were just dropping a couple names there what would be like the five main bands you really hammer home fucking in general throughout the context of this film for sure i i think that if you're going to watch a film on grindcore you need to have repulsion you need to have napalm death and they are like the two founders of the genre and then obviously like brutal truth and Terrorizer and these other bands from the United States uh, really started um, playing that style at a more, I guess, like tactically proficient level. So when it started in like Birmingham with Napalm Death, it was a little more like punky and sloppy, and uh, you know, it came from that like in like in almost industrial music w- was influencing their their sound at that point. Um, so like they were like a punk band, right? And you have a punk band that's trying to play as fast as humanly possible, and then you have a like a death metal band that's trying to play as fast as humanly possible, like Repulsion over in Flint, Michigan. Those two bands weren't really trying to play grindcore. They were just trying to play the music that felt good. And then all of a sudden people started realizing, well, there's enough bands that sound the same. We got to give it an identity. And... Um, you know, I, I think when you're playing something that's like so fast and it's too fast for the for the metalheads, but then it's too like metal for the punks. You know, you end up having something like both can't really connect with, but eventually those who like the most extreme elements of both will fuse together, right? So like, you know, <laughs> I like I know people who love death metal, and then will be like, uh, it's like oh, grindcore, that's too much, man. You know, like. Uh, well, dude, yeah, but those guys, they love fucking, like, uh, Terrorizer. Of fucking course. World Downfall. Amazing album. Which is, like, almost a death metal album. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Pete Sandoval, Dave, it's half a morbid angel. Fucking. Yeah, and half, half Napalm Death. Dude, I saw a band in Alston. There's yeah. uh, Alston, Massachusetts. There's a fucking basement out there called the Library. Gotta be quiet, you know? Fucking, yeah. it's the Library. It's the Library. Fucking, but a band from Japan Library. played called World Downfall. You ever heard them? I dude? have heard them. Yeah. Holy fucking shit, kid. Fucking, that was like some of the most intense shit I've ever fucking seen yeah. in my life. Three little Japanese guys just fucking ripping it. Fucking, you know, like I don't know, but it's that real specific fucking terrorizer style too. That's what's so interesting is that there's certain niches, there's certain arteries and tributaries and wormholes that. Yeah. You so know? for those who like don't know grindcore, if they're listening to this, like think about there are like five bands, let's say out there that like really influenced the sound all the bands that came afterwards kind of sounded like at least one of those five or combinations of those five and twos you know <laughs> or, or played faster or played with like more melody or played with more breakdowns or play you know uh so you develop this thing where it has to have blast beats which is essentially like all the drums all the time and then you have um, you know, like a, a growling style or like a screeching style that you'd get in more like a bank like Discordance Axis. Um, John Chang, a vocalist, uh, was known for doing like more higher pitch register and a screaming. Um, and and yeah, like once you once you hit like the two or three things that your genre is all about, you can kind of clone that over and over again, right? But what I love about grindcore is the fans are so specific that they'll like study like horrified. Or the like the amount of like carcass clone is a word in uh, grindcore because 
there's this band Carcass that essentially would detune their their voice in the studio using this like pedal. Yeah, voice <laughs> modification pedal. Yeah, they drop in an octave. And yeah, drop it sometimes two octaves, yeah. and you make you sound like a monster. And it wasn't a pedal; it was rack gear. Because uh, this was done in the 80s before it was like normalized to have pedals that would do that. So they'd have to pre-program it, right? And I think it was, the, I think it was called the ESPX90 pedal by Yamaha. Or Rackier, rather. Um, and then any band that wanted to sound like Harkus had to buy that thing. You know, and all these people are going out like, what is the, the way? Like, how did it sound like on, you know, Rika Putrefaction and Symphony of Sickness, which are the first two Carcass albums, which are just these like sloppy messes of, it's like sounds like somebody's like, like puking in a swamp. Well, plus, <laughs> the forefathers, the pioneers, were fucking doing tape trading, which is fucking 100%, a yeah. rather murky way to fucking acquiring fucking, you know, the, the, you know, musical fucking pristine fucking quality, you know? Well, that's why, I, I, like, if you think about, like, the title of the film, Slave to the Grind, it's because, like, like, tape trading, you, you're doing it because you, you have to, you can't get it any other way, right? It's not like most normal music um, avenues are going to be carrying this stuff. Like, it's all special order. It's all trading with friends, tape trading, you know, like, you're like a, you're like a worker bee, you know, to, to get the stuff. And you just mail away, uh, um, even to like the bigger labels, and I use that term like so loosely. Like Relapse is a a big label, I guess, but it's a super small label in the grand scheme of things. Sure, you yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, like you, you there's no. You've been around for over twenty years. Fuck yeah. It, you know, you're doing something right. A hundred percent. Yeah, and they're re- like relatively like a very well liked label by a lot of people. Well, it's tremendous. So this is fucking fire out. I mean. Tell me about the process, though, because fucking, mm-hmm. I can't imagine. I've made albums, but I don't understand walking around with a fucking camera, oh, with yeah. a fucking field mic, fucking being there, fucking, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, I feel like enough of an asshole just walking around shoving a mic in people's face. You know, yeah, like, like, and you know what? Like, I always connect with the press very easily, like, because I'm like, I, I, I totally do what you do, you know, like, and... Um, you, you're always worried whether you're imposing, and you, but you want to get the best answers, right? It's just like this weird dichotomy. And um, the process for me was to find a crew that does not like grindcore, to find editors that don't like grindcore, and be the only one who like was kind of pushing the direct, the vision of it. And that was important because I wanted uh, like cameraman just like focus on framing and really good cinematography right and if they're not like oh my gosh I'm filming Shane Embry you know if that's not on their mind at all yeah, yeah. like like we'd be like we'd interview like Barney from Napalm Death and like the guy would turn to me after he's like so who's that guy um, like he, they weren't even listening to what they were saying right and they'd be like so is he like in an up and coming band and I'm like no, that's Barney from like Napalm Death and like yeah. he's like okay like never having heard of them right Right. that's the level of like understanding my crew had of, of this of this genre of music so like did uh, they know he was on Beavis and Butthead no oh. like they knew nothing I might be making that up no. <laughs> were they they, well like they should have been on Beavis on and Butthead or on a shirt maybe I don't know maybe. I would hope so I'd be disappointed now. We have to look that one up. Yeah, for sure. You, that, I mean, you that's how me. I would find uh, about, dude. Like, I remember buying Diatribes when it came out in '95, yeah. and fucking. So, you what know, was your first Napalm Death album? You got Diatribes. Okay, cool. Mine was Fear, Emptiness, Despair. So right. around the same time, you're right. And What's cool is that I toured with them in 2016. Okay. And fucking, they were doing like 20 years on fucking Fear, Emptiness, Despair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was cool to see that. I mean, as I a love kid, those songs. That was, that I still was, love those songs. That was like one of the first albums I got. Yeah. Like returning nickels at the fucking, you know, yeah. bottles and shit like that and buying it at, at strawberries and fucking here I am sitting 
watching fucking Trump get elected with fucking Bonnie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is this? You know, oh, man. Like, yeah, like, a, lot, a lot happens quickly, man. Right. A lot happens quickly. But fucking, it's, it's highly charged political music. For I mean, sure. coming from England with Napalm, you have fucking the years of Margaret Thatcher, fucking, you know, repressive fucking conservative fucking state shit. We're fucking... Uh, I've said one thing over the years. Fucking this, this Republican, all these Republican administrations, it's really good for metal. It's really and punk rock. Yeah, too. yeah, for sure. It's giving everyone something to sing about. You know, um, it gives people a reason to get together. I, I'm a, I'm a bit of an optimist. I would say in that I, I always hope that there's some good that can come from something so horrible. And you know what? I know that I, I try not to talk about politics. I'm not a tr- like a Trump guy. He's not my, no. not my scene. <laughs> but. Uh, whether you like him or don't like him, hopefully it's going to get the good people together and try to fix what's wrong with this world. Maybe it exposes some of the things that are wrong with this world so you know what to fix. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. That's my hope. That's my hope. It's almost a giant wrecking ball to itself. I feel like he's yeah. destroying the Republican Party better than the Democrats ever could do. Actually, that's true. Maybe, you know? maybe this is going to be like, it's going to take a couple more years, but it, there's some good shit coming. <laughs> I don't know. I'm playing some seeds right now. Yeah. You know, yeah, a lot would, of contempt amazing. out there. It's interesting. But, you know, that's the thing. Is like, I think you're going to have fucking like 100 years of Trump at in Grandcourt. You know, I mean, look, look at what's yes. going on right now. We got anal yeah. Trump. Like fucking that yeah. band's doing that whole Trump thing. There's another one from Canada, right? Fucking, uh, what's that? Fucking neckbeard, mobile neckbeard oh, death I don't camp th- I don't or some I, shit. I don't, I, don't, I don't think I know that band. <laughs> there's a, yeah, I, there's a, a couple politicians in Toronto that are, not my scene just like also yeah. bad uh kind of people and uh you know again toronto musicians will riff on that and i don't know you find a way to complain in a positive way i think the grindcore has the ability to be a very positive uh genre of music even if you're like screaming it hatefully um everyone's together with their arms around each other you know yeah yeah fuck well throughout your work and your documentary did you ever find like a right-wing grind band's um, I know of some right-wing grind bands, like legitimate right-wing, uh, but it's so small that there was no point in even featuring them in the band. You know, like if it was, uh, if it was a movement that was persisting and growing, and then I'd be like, okay, it's nothing I identify with, but I'm going to film them. Right. right? Um, but it wasn't. Right. You know, pretty much I, non-existent. It, yeah, you know, and I think that we could all think of some some bands, but th- those are bands that to me don't reflect why I like the music to begin with. I never thought they were right wing, but I remember that band Be Numb. Yeah. The singer like quit and like joined the fucking army like post nine okay. eleven. Oh, I, like, oh, I, I, have I don't no even idea. own their stuff. I'm not even like yeah. I'm not like you know I, I don't know nothing. I couldn't about tell that. you other than I do quite like that band. I have a bunch of Benum Seven Inches because they, they were an early relapse band, and I collect a lot of those early '90s relapse sevens. Um, but oh, I have no idea about his political affiliation. So uh, relapse, there's very few. You think relapse is the go-to record label for all this? Like pretty well, much like. Okay, it's tough because release, you know, like compilations, even. Like. Yeah, like when I was a kid, Relapse was putting out these amazing compilations. I used to get these like double CD compilations. These can I think they were called Contaminated, like 2.0 and 3.0, and I one of those two was a double disc that had um, 
you know, some Soylent Green and Nile and, you know, a whole bunch of, like, awesome bands that I'd never heard of. And I think I got the disc because it had a couple Dillinger Escape Plan songs on it. And I was, you know, I had a friend who just played me Dillinger. My mind was blown. Uh, and then I ended up falling in love with, like, Soylent Green. And obviously, if Relapse didn't release those things, I wouldn't have then gone back to find all those amazing things that Eric did in the, the, the late 80s. Like, obviously, you... If, if you were to say, like, hey, Doug, what's the top ten best grindcore releases of all time? Five or six of them are going to be, like, three will be Earache and three will be Relapse, right? Like, they, they are spectacular labels in that sense. Um, what's yeah. the Earache ones? So Carcass? Earache ones would be, yeah, like, Recaputrefaction by Carcass, um, From a Slave to Obliteration by yeah. Napalm Death. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the first Brutal Truth album is on... Um, on uh, Eric Records, um, actually, the, the first two are on Eric Records, uh, and they're both fantastic records. Like, there are so many, and then they, I know it's not grindcore, but Eric Records then did put out Ultras of Madness, oh, uh, yeah, Morbid yeah. Angel, right? Um, you know, Terrorizer, right? Like, Terrorizer, World Downfall, like that's uh, shit. Yeah, those those early, and then like, uh, but that's England, and then Relapse as America, and yes. in the long sh- scope of things. Yeah, you know? I would guess so, and. Uh, the music that I'm listening to right now is, and no offense to either labels, is just not released on those labels. I'm, I'm kind of listening to bands that are just like making home dubbing cassettes, and they're, <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of smaller labels. I really like give praise records and haunted hotel records, and you know, people who are doing a couple releases a year, focusing on them. People do it gathically seven inches. Those are usually the labels that I'm like super keen on on pumping up. Yeah, we saw gathlies here. They came here. Yeah. Fucking nice fellas. That's awesome. And was Ralph with them then from Haunted Hotel Records? Uh, yeah, I think he's got a large table. Yes, yes, with a lot of stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ralph's, a, Ralph's a really nice guy. So yeah. fucking, like, is that pretty much... Is it true that Agathocles has, like, the record for, like, most releases or some shit? Uh, certainly an... Ex- uh, I think so. Like, uh, I don't know I don't know much about Mersbau. I think that they have a ridiculously large output. Uh, and... Uh, there's a couple like jazz guys that I listen to that I, like sometimes I'm like, uh, but uh, Gathlees has to be 450 to 500, maybe even more. And I have, I personally That's have maybe 400, 400 or yeah, 450, 450 fucking releases. Yeah. That's yeah. stupid. And then like color variations and cassettes and <laughs> CD and vinyl and like Seriously. lathe and yeah. <laughs> That's I, fucking crazy. I'm sure they press music on birch bark if they found a way like, yeah. So who's got the biggest collection? You of, of Agathocles? Yeah. Um, I have my suspicions that it's... So there's one guy in Belgium that I've heard about, but other than that, I would say the lead singer of uh, Dash Charge, who's in Slave to the Grind, apparently he has he has a massive record collection and a massive toy collection. And I think that he has one of the biggest Agathocles collections in the world. And then Ralph from Haunted Hotel, who's put out, like I want to say, like 20, 30 Agathocles titles. Ralph, you can correct me online if you <laughs> you listen to this. And that's totally wrong. Um, uh, and I think these guys have like hundreds, like four hundred of them, you know, and narrowing in on having them all. And Fucking Christ! There's some things that I think are. <laughs> there's only seven of them that were made. You know? Come on. Yeah. That's so crazy. We're like the band members don't even have them. Really? Yeah. I like that stuff. You're gonna have to do a show about that. Oh, that would be fun. Like, collecting, like, the sickest, like, record collections just yeah. on, like, one band. Like, you could do a whole fucking season on Nunslaughter, I bet. Oh, fucking, for like. sure, because they have, like, a very prolific output, a lot oh, of yeah. stuff. Fucking yeah. whole season on Kiss. Fucking do it all. 
So oh, fucking yeah. tell us about um, where we can go support Slaves of the Grind. Yeah, how can sure. we can uh, view screenings. How can we book a screening? Where do we go buy it? Yeah, my, my philosophy is uh, if you want to screen it, you know, send me an email and I'll probably say yes. You know, I, I'm... My goal from day one is to get people to watch this film. We're screening all around the world right now on a bit of a world tour. Um, this is my last night here doing this little stint here in the United States. Um, I, uh, you know, if you contact me at grindcorefilm at gmail.com or uh, grindcorefilm.com or the Slave of the Grind Facebook page, any message will do. Um, and then that's also where all of our dates are listed. Um, so I think we have another 45 screenings booked from now until the end of October. And tonight is our 20th, I want to say. So, uh, yeah, around six, 65 altogether, which is very exciting for me. Like, I'm just an independent filmmaker. Like, I, I just kind of did this all myself and with a very amazing film crew. And I'm uh, very appreciative of any screening I can get. So, you know, just because of where I am right now, I just want to thank all the five folks at Ralph's Rock Diner. This place is fantastic. It's super cool. It's packed to the tits with, like, amazing stuff. And, yeah. Hell yeah. yeah I love it. <laughs> Dude, I'm stoked. I've never seen a movie here. There's movies here quite often, and I've never made it out, but... A fucking rock dock. Right on, You calling it a rock dock? Is this like a yeah. grind, a grind thing? Yeah, I don't it's know a, what a, gr- a grindumentary. <laughs> grindumentary. Yeah, it's, it's not a concert film. Like, uh, there's some live bits in it, of course, but it's certainly not a like a sit down and watch a band play twenty songs in a row sort of thing. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not like fucking Rush playing Power Windows. Yeah, fucking start to finish. Like, oh, that, like, that would be awesome. That would be. <laughs> Is that you pick? What's the best '80s Rush album with keyboards? '80s Rush album with keyboards. With keyboards? Actually, they all have keyboards. Okay, so in a post in a post moving pictures world. Okay, I'm gonna go like 1989. I go Presto. Presto. I'm gonna go right Ooh. at the end of the 80s. Wow. I, uh, I love that album. I think Power it's super trio. cool. Yeah. Really. I love that album because it's it's I think the most simple of them all. Um, yeah. What's that live? Show of Hands is that from Show the Show of 80s? Hands is good too. That's a good live one. Yeah, it's better than <laughs> fucking Stage Left. I mean, Stage Left has a pretty enticing yeah. fucking. Uh, uh, Show of Hands is better recorded. Yeah, like it sounds better. Yeah. If you picked fucking Roll the Bones, I would have hockey punched you. Oh, fucking, really? like, I would pull the sweater <laughs> over you right now and hockey fight you. Fucking, That's actually care. probably my least favorite Rush album. Oh, it's horrible. I yeah. mean, I won't say it's horrible, but there's just some real like. Oh, yes. even the worst Rush album is better than most other people's albums. Yeah. What a good band. All right. Yeah. Well, well done. done. Thanks for being hey, here. Hey, man, I appreciate it. All the it. best, too. It's a pleasure meeting oh, you, sir. Oh, of course. Fucking yeah. everybody go check out fucking Slaves of the Grind. Right to the motherfucking Grindcore Film at Gmail, grindcorefilm.com, Slaves of the Grind Facebook page. You have a compilation? Is there a soundtrack coming out? We are going to try to release this in every possible form. Hopefully in the fall we'll have, like, DVD, Blu-ray and all that. And uh, Yeah, we... We're going to have a double disc with a bonus film, actually, called The B-Sides. Because uh, we're going to have so much material, so we just want people to see it. So, yeah, definitely check it out, man. Fucking nationwide. ZZ Top nationwide should be playing <laughs> in the background right now. Beautiful. Well, cheers, man. All the best Thanks to you. Thanks again. Cheers. Thank you.